Hello, and thanks for popping in. I'm popping off with Michelle DeSalle, where there's always a topic worth popping off about. Today's topic is I Can't Breathe. And in the studio we have with us today, Sheldon T. Nunn, a native Houstonian, my absolute great friend, and a very wise, wise man. And I tell you what, he's always willing to give those seeds of wisdom And whenever I want to have a conversation and intellectual insight, he's always my go-to person. So welcome to Poppin' Off. Say hi, Sheldon. Hi, how's it going? It's going really, really well. Um, Fantastic. And thank you so much for availing yourself to to come on with me. And uh, as I stated before, you and I, we dialogue about such extensive things that are going on in our world just on a regular um, day. But today this topic is, it's a very serious, and it's a topic that has a, a lot of our hearts very, very heavy. And uh, it's the murder of Mr. George Floyd that happened on the 25th in uh, Minneapolis. He was murdered by a police officer by the name of Derek uh, uh, Chavin. And uh, the video was released. So many were there to see this happen and um, it's heartbreaking and it's it's not something that you can see and just hey go on about your day it resonates with you and it and it evokes every emotion imaginable and I know that um, you have some insight on this and he was a native Houstonian as well from Third Ward and And so, but we're seeing this kind of thing too damn often, Sheldon. And Black America, tired. Yeah, yeah. It's a a sad state that, uh, you know, we just celebrated uh, last year, uh, 400 years since the first uh, slaves landed in America. And... Unfortunately, 400 years later, we're still seeing the kind of atrocities on black males and even now black females. When you look at it across the board, it's like open season and nothing is being done. And when you think about the state of Minnesota, uh, and since the year 2000, there have been more more than 179 police-related murders involving uh, black males. And of that number, only one police officer has ever been prosecuted and sent to prison. And the reason why? The reason why was he shot this white female. He was a black police officer responding to an intruder call with he and his partner. And they were driving down this alley, according to news reports. And this, this woman who made the call popped out of nowhere. And I guess a reaction, he shot the woman because she banged on the driver's side window. And he was prosecuted for that, even though it was a terrible accident. But when you look at the differences between what we saw with George Floyd, where four 
police officer for physically uh, handling this Mr. Mr. Floyd. And, you know, literally nothing is being done. And it just seems like we're repeating this over and over and over again. And, you know, no one seems to care except those of us who happen to be black like Mr. Floyd. Absolutely. And what we're seeing is officers not feeling a sense of um, responsibility or um, they certainly have no fear of consequences when it comes to taking a black life. When you look at that video, that officer was literally on Mr. Floyd's neck with his hands in his pocket. Right. You know, and so what that body language said to me and, and so many other black Americans, it spoke volumes. It said that this is just like, this is a normal work day for me. I mean, I, I, it's kind of like you're sitting back and reclining in your chair in your office, you see. Yes. And, so, yes. and, and something, something has to be done. And so matters are being taken you know, into Black America's hands, it seems. And the Washington Post, their headline for this, it says, democracy dies in darkness. It it dies in darkness. And that's so very true. Well, unfortunately, it's not within the Black community that we have some type of, of, of... of hate or hate-filled attitudes toward the police. I think the police, the police are necessary to maintain order. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, I, I think there's an innate fear of black males. I, I, I just think by white America because just most recently, last week, a uh, white female in Central Park in New York, a uh, black man who was there in the park bird watching. And there is an ordinance in New York City that says all animals, all dogs have to be leashed. She didn't have a dog on the leash and all she did, all he did was ask her to put the dog on a leash and she went into this immediate terror, calling the police, told him, I'm gonna call 911. She called 911 and escalated the, the confrontation whereby all the man did was ask her to put the dog on the leash, but she made it sound like she was being threatened she made it sound like she was being attacked. And fortunately, for his sake, thank goodness, he filmed the entire incident. But so, go ahead. So, what that says is that all I have to do, my, my privilege says, all I have to do is just say it doesn't have to be true. It doesn't, I don't really have to be threatened. But they're going to come to my aid and they're going to deal with you. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so and, and, and so when we watch that, when we watch that and it was such a ridiculous, such ridiculous, such outrageous behavior. But a black man's life, a black woman's life can be taken for something as minute 
and unimportant. Yes. As that display there. Yes. And, and so it's un- ha- go ahead. Go ahead. It's unfortunate that you know, as a as a as a black male in American society, you have to go to such great lengths to keep yourself out of harm's way, and you 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 try to abide by the laws. You make every effort to be conscious of your surroundings to ensure that you don't get into any type of confrontation. And it's unfortunate that as a black man, you know, you're constantly being watched when you go into stores. People automatically assume you're you're going to be shoplifting, so they follow you around. When the police officers stop you, uh, they take extra precautionary measures uh, and tell you for their own safety. They're 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 asking you to do these things. And like uh, some white friends of mine have said, they don't experience the same treatment as do black people, whether they be male or female. And and it's a sad state of affairs that here we are in the year uh, 2020, and we're still dealing with the same type of racial atrocities that occurred during the Jim Crow era, where black males were being lynched indiscriminately, uh, police officers, used uh, physical force indiscriminately. So what do you tell America where America has rights and civil liberties that are being violated every day? (laughs) That's right. What do you tell them? We have been, you know, hey, trust me, Black America has certainly made suggestions of, you know, what do we tell them? How should they respond? But it's fallen on a nation deaf ears. And at any moment, and just like the woman we were talking about the other day, any moment a man can have an I can't breathe moment, a black woman can have an I can't breathe moment. And uh, just by, you know, asking someone to put their dog on a leash, that could have turned into a I can't breathe moment. I, um, a suspected uh, $20 hot check turns into an I can't breathe moment. Selling loose cigarettes, can turn into an I can't breathe moment. Walking down the sidewalk with a hoodie on eating Skittles can turn into an I can't breathe moment. You know, um, you know, having a busted headlight could turn into a I can't breathe moment. So it's it's the value that's placed on our life. It's worth what, five cents? That, that that's what it seems like. Well so it seems like we, we become it seems like we become we become immune because we hear about it so much, it's almost like war. You know, during the Vietnam War, there were numerous protests about the sending Americans to fight an unjust war. There were protests in the streets, but we don't get the same type of, of response when black males are killed. Now we're having black males, black females being killed. So, you know, it has to come from the white community because we protest, we burn, we loot. And like uh, uh, one of the protesters said last night, the only way that you we get your attention is is if we go and we burn and we loot. Well, look what the response is. Riot gear, the National Guard was called out. Uh, uh, they don't make the same responses when there are white demonstrations when the Nazi party shows up or the skinhead shows up. It's almost like they stand idly by and watch these things unfold and they say, okay, white privilege, you know, because you're white, you get an excuse. 
uh, unless you do something violent, but all a black person has to do is act up, act out, and he becomes a victim. Mm -hmm. So now we see here with um, this officer that killed Mr. Lloyd, he's being, you know, he's been charged now with third degree murder and manslaughter. This has been the quickest time that they have ever, ever brought charges up on an officer. So we have here, uh, after three days of increasingly intense unrest in the Twin Cities, we have Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman. He announced that, you know, what the charges were uh, for this officer. And and they want to focus on him, of course, because he he is the person that we see kill Mr. Floyd. However, you know, they, they are not, you know, they're not gonna of course focus on the other officers because they're they're lending priority to um, to this uh it, 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 as you can tell, it's hard for me to even say his name. I, I hate to even say the man's name. Yes, George Floyd. And and and, and unfortunately, no, not George Floyd. Oh, the name. The, the police I officer that, that that the police officer's name. Yes. yes. But um, so we have yeah, he, he's in custody. But I've been watching and I've been researching this and I've been reading the articles and I've been watching the video clips and everything. And then you you see where it seems like they had the whole police department guarding his house you know yeah, yeah. you know pro protecting him so much so i was wondering well who in the heck was protecting the city of minneapolis right right but he he's 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 fired now he's a civilian now yes yes but yes. all of this all of this uh manpower goes into protecting him but no one cared to even listen, not even an officer cared to say, to even whisper in his ear, hey, I think you're going too far, get off of him. You know, let him up. He has handcuffs on. The, the many people that are pleading and asking you to get off of this man, but nothing, but we can, we can spend the tax dollars to protect this guy after he's murdered, Mr. Floyd. But it goes, it goes beyond Mr. Floyd. I mean, just think about it. Uh, here we are two months ago, uh, Mr. Ahmad Aubrey was shot by two vigilantes who weren't even law enforcement officers. And they took it upon right. them, them, themselves to approach an individual who was jogging and minding his own business. And they used the excuse that there had been a number of burglaries in the area. And so that's why they stopped him. Well, as it turned out, the, the young man lost his life. It took him two months for this to even surface and because I mean and because this guy was a former investigator for the district attorney's office in that in that city uh, it was Glenn County Sheriff it was Glenn County where the incident occurred in Georgia because that 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 individual who shot Mr. Arbery was a former investigator he was given a free pass and only when mm -hmm. it came to the public was he and his son and the individual who filmed it were arrested some two months later. So what was transpiring, no charges were filed, no investigation was done. They just automatically assumed this black man had uh, uh, was in the area to steal something or to commit a crime or he was a perceived threat. 
Now, the question goes back. Had there been a white person jogging in that same area, would they have stopped him? We don't know. All we know is, is that countless times, innocent victims are being killed for minor offenses. It's not as though they took an automatic weapon or, or, or any type of weapon and start committing a threat. So the, the change has to come in the hearts of white America. They have to stop taking a passive look and say, I'm not like that. I'm not racist in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But what are they doing to appease the situation? In other words, somebody has to take a stance. And it doesn't help that our president seems to uh, uh, respond to these incidences with the same indifference that white society does. Absolutely. Thank you, Sheldon. And we're going to take a short break. We'll return in just a moment. If you're just tuning in, thanks for tuning in. We're popping off with Michelle DeSalle. Well, there's always topics worth popping off about in the studio today. We have Sheldon T. Nunn, and we are talking today on the subject of I Can't Breathe. And, of course, this unfortunate um, topic is inspired by the recent killing of George Floyd, not to mention the countless others before him. Mr. Nunn, as you were saying, as you were saying, um, uh, mentioning before the break, you know, the the nonchalant uh, attitude of white America, including our president, our president made a statement that, of course, even Twitter had to uh, sanction, you know, his account. It says when the looting starts, the shooting starts. So again, it's no focus on the reason Black America is so angry. Yeah. So, so if we can't have a president that can come and try to make uh, some, bring some semblance of order, some semblance of um, remorse, some semblance of understanding and um, what does that say for the other Americans that are that are going to follow suit? What further trouble does that put Black America in? I, I, I think the trouble continues. No, no matter how many how many laws are passed that 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 people who commit hate crimes are are convicted of. They passed the laws, but it doesn't seem to, to have any interest because time after time, these police officers are given a free pass. Uh, all they have to say is, I was in fear of my life, and that justifies whatever, whatever uh, physical force they have to use. So it seems to be the, the national anthem of police. Uh, whenever they do such things, they say, I'm, I was in fear of my life. Well. This guy, Mr. Floyd, was a very big black man. Uh, And maybe that was some type of intimidation factor 
where they had to be overly aggressive toward him as an individual. They felt the need and all four of them should be uh, prosecuted. I understand the four have been fired, but all four should be prosecuted for uh, that because there were at least three other officers holding him down while this guy sat on his neck. And if you look at the clip, the guy even had his hand in his pocket. As I mentioned earlier, and there's something else that I don't, uh, that a lot of uh, listeners and a lot of people that are um, watching this that they don't know, and I, and I want to shed some light on this. Mr. Floyd and this officer, they had known each other for years, Sheldon. Mm. And you, they worked at, the, they did security at the same nightclub for years. So this officer knew Mr. Floyd. So it's, and, and it makes you just wonder, hey, I've known you. I mean, how is it that you can blatantly kill someone like that? You know, first of all, it's a human life, so you, you should not want to. But you had history with this man. Yeah. And you just lean in and you kill him. You kill him. And, and so it just makes me wonder, what was that history like? But you knew him. He wasn't a stranger to you, you know? Well, the, and so the slave master knew the slaves, <laughs> but he didn't yeah. hesitate mm-hmm. to kill the slave if he got out of, out, of, out of line, if he tried to run, if he tried to escape if he committed an atrocity against some white person. So the same situation exists today, except now there's a form of slavery called economical slavery. There's a form of slavery called physical slavery, where you're prejudged even before you're adjudicated. So this man made a judgment call, as do most police officers, they automatically assume that shoot first, ask questions later. The young lady and the young uh, female police officer in Dallas who shot the black, uh, who shot a black male who was in his own apartment, watching television, eating some ice cream, minding his own business. And what was her excuse? Oh, I was in the wrong apartment. I didn't realize where I was. And she got 10 years. 10 years. 10 years for the life of a man who did not who did not know that that was the la- his last uh, day on earth. And she didn't even immediately report it. She called her partner first and tried to concoct some story as to what went down. But, you know, how do you confuse floors? You've been going to the same fourth floor apartment for years. Now, you know, you're on the third floor and you think somebody's in your apartment. You see this big black guy, you know, walking towards you you had a taser, you had, hey, stop, whatever, but this man lost his life, and that seems to be a trend now. No one seems to care, and we're becoming immune, and that's the sad part about it. That, absolutely, and and uh, the young lady, you know, when they do, you know, they came in and, and, and killed her, the EMT, you burst the door in late at night, you, there's plainclothes officers in, in in the house. She loses her life, and now, you know, her significant other is going up on charges for shooting the officer. But you guys were in plain clothes. Yeah. But and then you were at the wrong house. Yeah. So it, it's it's like, 
the slap on the wrist, the, you know, turn a blind eye, a deaf ear or whatever. And, and hey, what do you get? Hey, I've killed a person and I still get to keep my job, you know? So we're, we're looking at, um, so when we talk about, you know, the, the other officers, you know, you see it in um, black arrests all the time. Hey, you didn't have to, you know, uh, commit the crime or anything like that, but hey, you, you were with them, it makes you an accessory. So you're gonna get the same kind of time. So yeah, we're here, we see Thomas Lane, we see uh, Totho, and we see Jay Alexander Kwong. These were the guys, that, the other officers. So yeah, you're gonna deal with the, um, you know, the dangerous perpetrator, of course, is the, the officer that killed him. But I am interested to know exactly what's going to go on. So, because firing, you know, them, okay, people lose their jobs all the time and go find another job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but this is the thing. I don't want you to be able to go back to, to, to being a police officer. I don't, I, I want you to have the inability to ever be in law enforcement ever again. On top of, of course, yeah, I, I want you to go to jail. Black America wants you to go to jail because somebody needs to say that there is value on 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 our lives. This is that there is some type of loyalty towards us instead of this, you know, toxic injustice. Yeah, and it seems to be getting worse. You know, uh, it, it just every it seems as though every year some four or five young black males are, are killed indiscriminately and nothing is ever said. You go before a grand jury, they no bill the police officer or the, the DA's office chooses not to prosecute. But again, the, na- the, the national theme seems to be, I was in fear of my life and that justifies any killing. But how do we, you know, mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we convey that message that all lives matter? Because the first time you say black lives matter, the, re- the police response is blue lives matter. <laughs> so they seem to take some type of an offense at their own doing. They create these situations. Yes. They perpetuate right. the, the, the closed ranks whenever there's a police related shooting that's questionable, questionable at best. They close ranks around each other and protect one another and don't even think about doing the right thing. And in, in many cases, they, they they make the accusations where he was acting peculiar. He was acting strange. He looked like he was about to commit something. And how do you look like you're about to commit something if you <laughs> haven't done it yet? Right, absolutely. So I'm looking here and uh, I wanna share this. Agents with the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension arrested uh, uh, Charvin at 11.44 a.m. in Minneapolis. Officials announced that Freeman said a criminal complaint would be available later in the day and that his office did not have enough evidence to charge Chauvin until Friday, which is today. He also added that the four days have passed since Floyd died is by far, I quote, by far the fastest we have ever charged a police officer, end quote. Charges normally take nine months to a year because prosecutors have a high burden of proof in criminal cases against police officers, Freeman said. We can only charge a case when we have sufficient admissible evidence to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. As of right now, we have that. So 
I have to say, yeah, that is the quickest that I've ever seen it. But here's the thing. The longer they wait to do this, that means that in Black America's eyes, we certainly feel that that's long enough for you to concoct something that is not true. For you to concoct evidence that will suit what you already know pretty much you're gonna do and you're gonna that you're gonna let these officers go free. Yeah, yeah. But but this time, this time there is there's no way. There's there's no way that there's not enough evidence. You could have had you could have had that evidence. I, I could have gave you five hours and you'd have had enough. Well, you know, social media, thank thank goodness for social media now. Because there are not too many things that get that gets gets thrown under the carpet now. Uh, social media has mm-hmm. done a lot to illuminate these atrocities, but it hasn't done done very much to change public opinion. And when you look right. across the board at public opinion, I, I, I think white America, I would be, you know, I would be afraid too <laughs> if I was white in America today, knowing the atrocities that 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 they as a people have created. No, present day whites are not guilty of what occurred in slavery and doing segregation. But I honestly believe that there is an innate fear automatically of black people in general. Because if you look at the unemployment rate, if you look at the rate of firings, if you look at all types of things that occur in society that seems minute on the surface, but under each and every aspect of it, you have to question it and say that this particular incident happened because this individual was a person of color or, did, or was the action actually justified. And you see that whereby black people don't honestly don't know what to think. You know, am I being discriminated against because you don't like me? Or am I being discriminated against because of the color of my skin? You know, we have to make mm-hmm. quick judgments now. And we can't respond in anger. We can't respond negatively because we immediately become a suspect. You know, you're being disrespectful to the police officer. You're refusing to obey the law. And how many individuals have been beaten in some obscure area because they spoke up for themselves? And you hear Mr. Floyd say, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And this guy is just totally oblivious to his cries for for help. And just say what would have happened had someone not been there with a camera. And on that break, on that note, we're going to take a small break. We're back. Thank you again for staying with us at, here at Poppin' In on Poppin' Off with Michelle DeSell. Thank you, Sheldon Nunn, again for being uh, on this show with us today. The last thing that you said, what would have happened had there not been a camera there? And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I am. I can't say how horrifying it was to watch, but how grateful I am that someone was there. In the viewing of that clip, there's so much that you can take away from that clip. Hearing him saying, please, I can't breathe, don't kill me. 
And all and it also resonates with me watching Mr. Floyd and hearing him call for his mother. Yeah. Yeah. I it, it And that had to be horrifying any mother, for the mother to hear that. Absolutely. And any mother knowing, I mean, that have experienced any mother that has a black son and now that has a black daughter because they have no discrepancy about killing a black woman either. But I understand what that's like being a mother of, you know, of a son uh, having experienced my son being, you know, assaulted by a police officer when he was on leave uh, from the military several years back and uh, being at home, not knowing where my son was and knowing that he was in a police car and not and and praying to God that they didn't kill my son and uh, can't reach him, don't know what they're going to do to him and they realize that, of course, it's the stereotypical thing. Young black guy, you know, he had a grill in his mouth. They thought that he was, you know, had a record, but then he was just on leave and he was, my son, you know, when they realized that he was an officer of the United States Army, then that's when the whole story, the whole situation changed. Then they're trying to take my son to different substations, but neither one of them would allow them to drop him off there. So it could have been a cover-up, right? It could have been a cover-up, whereas they could have killed my son. They could have done anything to my son. And um, But I'm going to tell you the weird twist to that story. Now, any man or a woman that is in a uniform has a propensity to be unethical. Doesn't matter what their color is. Because the officer that assaulted my son, he was a black officer that worked for HPD. However, the backup that he called to pick my son up were two white officers because this black officer was, you know, uh, on an extra job at a club that evening. And, uh, the two white officers, still, they had not checked my son's pocket for his ID, you know, uh, uh, to see that he had a military ID in his pocket. But when they realized, you know, who my son was, I believe the only reason, the only saving grace that my son had that those officers did not kill my son and try to cover it up is because it was a black officer that assaulted him. And they weren't going to be loyal to a black officer. Now, had it been, I believe, with every fiber of my being, had it been another white officer, they would have probably got together, got into coots and tried to figure out what to do with my son. But they weren't going to be loyal enough to a black officer to do his bidding for him. And they finally just let my son out of the car. And um, and then that's when, you know, I, I, I called uh, my friend, one of the state representatives, and they told me who to call. And of course, you know, we took legal action. But that, though, the, that those hours of wondering what was happening yeah. to my son was yeah. horrifying. So when I'm listening to Mr. Floyd call out for his mother, my heart just sank and it took me back there again. But the thing is, my son is still here with me. Miss, you know, Mr. Floyd's mother lost, lost her son. His siblings lost their brother. His, his children lost their father. Yeah. 
and 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 so and black america lost another whether their own and we're yeah. pissed yeah but why do we have to get pissed in order for some noteworthy action to happen 